It is time to strengthen your faith. Deepen your understanding of the Word of God. Move from poverty to prosperity and rest in the worldly place. Join Dr. Osara Emafai, the lead pastor of the Lakeview Foursquare Gospel Church, Lagos, Nigeria, and founder of Ed John School of Management, and alumnus of Oxford University, Kernfield University, Hertfordshire University, and University of Lagos. One informative, educative, and impactful program, Wealthy Place. Join us on Foursquare TV. So I want to welcome you to today's episode of The Worthy Place. I am taking the third part of the series on managing yourself. The third part. My name is Dr. Osaimo Pai, the lead pastor of the Lakeview Foursquare Church in Nigeria, in Lagos, Nigeria. Today I want to start with a scripture so that I can put in context what I'm about to share in this very third episode within the series on managing yourself. So in Numbers 8, 24 to 26, what does the Bible say? It says, this is, this is it that belonged to the Levites. From 25 years upward, they shall now go and wait in the temple and then serve. They be in a place of service in the tabernacle of the congregation. Verse 25. He said, from the age of 50, they shall cease waiting upon the service thereof. And shall serve no more. Verse 26 says, But that minister, but shall minister with their brethren in the tabernacle of the congregation to keep charge and shall do no service. Thou shalt thou do unto the Levites touching their charge. You see, that third one. I remember that our Jal Obasia, Reverend Aboji, calls the Yeni years. He calls those, that one the Yeni years. I've listened to some of his messages, and uh, there was a one in which he called that particular age. You know, you are no longer to serve in the tabernacle. You are now, sir, you know, you now do no more service. You are in charge. He said he called it the Yeni years. And I will take you through in managing yourself. How do you manage your first 25 years? How do you manage yourself within the first 25 years of your age? How do you manage yourself in the second 25 years? And how do you manage yourself thereafter? So, the first 25 years learning, yes. The next 25 years, any years. And then beyond that, maybe 25 or more, the journey years. My topic is managing yourself. And I'm taking the third part of the series. Now, because live I work entirely for God, 
it will make categorically clear how and for how long they should work. Now, this same principle enunciated for the Levites in terms of war is the same principle that applies to every believer in Christ. Because in some part of Numbers, if we're talking about the age of 30, you can go and check that out. We're talking about the age of 30. Because there are some things you still need to learn between 25 and 30. And so they said, until you get to the 30, there are certain things you shouldn't do. And that was why Jesus, when he came to do his early ministry, he actually started at 30. So it's a clearly in alignment with the revelation that was there in the book of Numbers. What do you do in those many years? How do you carry yourself? How do you get yourself to maximize opportunities that are available in your early years? And then also, in your early years, in the last part of your life, how can you manage yourself to live a life of fulfillment and purpose? That the day that you close your eyes, you close your eyes with joy. Not to end with bitterness that this world is wicked. The world was so wicked. The world was so bad. Everything was not right with me. And you find that a part of what happens to you, what throws at you, you are also sometimes a contributor to what, what throws at you. Because the preparation years, you didn't do certain you were supposed to do. Then the any years, you didn't also quickly still do what you were supposed to do. When they go to the any years, people end with bitterness, with frustration, and sometimes people take their lives. Now, we know there are life expectancy. The life expectancy in Nigeria, as of now, is about 54 years. That's the life expectancy. In other words, an average Nigerian is not expected to live beyond 54. It's a bit of an improvement on the 49, where it was for so many years before it moved to 54. And what that says is that women can live onto about 56, men onto about 52. When you bring the two together and an average it, it comes to about 54 years. Now, so if our life, the average span of life in Nigeria is 54, you're 25 years. How did you manage your first 25 years? And how do you then manage the next, the next 20 years or 30 years? So the way you manage yourself will define how we all end up on this side of eternity and where we end up on the other side of eternity. Now, let me take you now to also the issue of, of the misery index. Now, when you talk about life expectancy, it's not complete until you look at misery index. Misery index defines, you know, the kind of way people live their lives, um, either in pain, in agony, in denial and deprivation. And so live a life that is suboptimal. In fact, usually at the fringe. 
So misery index, uh, uh, the present record that we have, the misery index in Nigeria is about 48 years. And if we add what then happened recently to the youth, you can actually move it from 48 to about 68. It's about the worst in the world. Only two countries, only two other countries are close to Nigeria. The Afghanistan and then Iran. Those are the two countries where the misery in the index, they are like what we have in Nigeria. So it shows that so many people living in Nigeria are so unhappy, they are so angry. And that's why I have told my friends, all those who are close to me, don't be insulting people when they talk about oh, when some people who long went into the street, they started cutting away food, they started taking hoodlums. I said, don't call them hoodlums. These people are not hoodlums. You will see this all they were well-dressed. Women, men. What is it? If you understand the mechanics of the misery index in Nigeria, you understand, you know, the components of the life expectancy. And what are the causalities of the life expectancy? It is then you can begin to look at the anatomy of our system. And then you can actually say properly, define properly, who those people were. Because, you know, we're in a nation where people are very superficial. They, they joined the Joneses. They say, oh, because somebody called them hoodlum, you called them hoodlum. You don't go to do your own detailed analysis, do an anatomy of the situation. And what we find out is that almost everyone that was involved in moving into those houses and stealing, they were counted within the misery index the World Bank used to categorize Nigeria. About most 68% of Nigeria are 68. So the misery index of Nigeria is 68 now. Okay, it's 40. It was 40. Then, then 40, which was also the worst. Then, of course, uh, moved to 48. And then when the issue of the youth unemployment was then added, it came to about 68. It's so bad. So, and I then said, those people must not be called hoodlums. Give them good name. They are these are people made by God, as they made me. And they have an equal stake in the Commonwealth that we call either Nigeria or we call the world. They have an equal stake like every other person. They didn't choose to be born. It was not a choice they made. The choice was made in heaven for them to be born. Why is it that the world would then be here to call them hoodlums? So what I call them, my friends now call them, we call them the hungry and angry Nigerians. Hungry and angry Nigerians. And also, you see, the society is as strong as its weakest link. And so when a society does not care for the weakest link, under the pretext that if you do not work, you do not eat, the rich will never sleep. And so when the weak, after eating themselves and fighting themselves, they will be looking for the wealthy to eat. So it's the enlightened self-interest of the wealthy people. By the grace of God, those, you know, of us, God is, is blessed with resources. It's in our own interest to lift up the lives of these people. Because they are as precious to God as we are precious to God. So, so in recognizing that scenario, because I wanted to bring that scenario 
paint that scenario to enable us to focus on this on this third part of uh, how to manage yourself. Because managing yourself depends on where you are. Are you already in the wedding ladder or you are just at the bottom? Are you at the bottom? What Rocker says about this? He says about this. He said, when you know where you are, then you must now try to find out what you contribute. Because you must be a solution. You must be a part of it. You can abdicate it and say, oh no, our government is not doing this. Uh, Lagos government is not. Uh, the British government is not. It's not a bad government. Government has its own role. Because the heart of the king is in the power of the law. The law can turn their heart anytime. But you have a role to play. So let me see what, what Drucker said about it. And I will also share with you what my thoughts are. Drucker says, in a traditional economy, owners told people what their contribution should be in the knowledge world, including the digital. They actually, the owner tell people, well, this is what you must do. So that's in complex. Okay? Now, <clears throat> you have choices to make in respect of your work and how you intend to work. Now, when you then move on to the digital age, in the kind of age we are, wherever level you are, where you work, there is some non-liberty and freedom in which you can choose to do the work in a way what is important to deliver value. And this is what Drucker was talking about there. So then to decide how you can best enhance organizational performance ultimately would define your own performance as a person. So let me look at my performance as a minister of God. We determine how the organization performs because if I perform well, my colleagues in different churches perform well. They do the work. People are blessed. The hungry are fed. Accommodation is got in for them. Health is provided for those who are sick. And I do it. And the other church does it. And the other one does it. And you have people of other faith, they do it. Nature will be a better place. And you do it in organization. You see, exactly what we do. That's what I, I spoke about boundaryless. I remember in the previous uh, episode. We have a clinic in our in our church. We have a clinic in our office. We have a clinic in our school. Well, why are we doing so? Is that every single one that cannot afford those services outside or can access even general hospitals? And they are there, they, they come to the church. They can benefit from what? From the clinic in the church. Those who work in the company can benefit free. From those. So, every one of us, we have a role to play. What is my role? What role do I play in bringing misery in this Nigeria down and in lifting the life expectancy in Nigeria? What is my role? You have a role to play. Each and everyone has a role to play. Passing ball is not helping anybody. Oh, Buhari didn't do this. This one didn't do this. What bothers, what bothers those people? Chief Otter did not do. What are you doing in your corner? And that's what he was saying. He said, you can choose, particularly in the digital age. You do what you are asked to do in your own way to deliver value. So, you are the one to decide how best to enhance organizational performance. First, ask, what is it that we require in an organization? For instance, for those who work in organization or working wherever. You 
just ask, what is required? Even if you are working for yourself, what is required? Now, when you know what is required, you know your strengths already, and you also know your work style that fits with your own temperament and your emotions, and your values that are espoused, and your values in use, then you know how to make the greater contribution to society through your place of assignment, through your work, through the ministry we are called into. So this is what Drucker was talking about. I'm amplifying it and adding, you know, the spiritual dimension to what he wrote because he was clearly a secular writer. But what I found a lot of things he wrote, he didn't quite, maybe he knew that they were actually based in the scriptures. And because some people may not want to read, and when they then see scriptures, then they may run away. And he chose not to put any scripture on it. But when I read some of those things, I actually found they have a root in the scriptures. That you have a role to play. And how do you play that role is important in the way you manage yourself. As a part of the solution to the problems of the world. You were not created to the world for nothing. We were, we were dropped on this side of eternity. We didn't choose to be human beings. We didn't choose to be Nigerians. We didn't choose to be British. We didn't choose anything. We were just born into these places. And when we're born into these places, we are not born without a purpose. There is something specific. And so when you find that your place of assignment, you must be a solution. You must be a provider rather than grumbling every day, writing all kinds of things against government, writing all kinds of things against organization and all that. What are you doing in your own sphere of influence? Now, you see, in the first half, in the first 25 years, we spoke about it. You needed to study. That's the time you prepare. In a learning, in the economy in which, in the digital age, in the knowledge economy, those who are big in their brain power tend to be richer than those who are big in their hand power. Hand power is the people who talk about labor and hard work. And you touch their hands, their hands sometimes like shell the back of a tortoise. But those who work with their mind tend to be wealthier than those who work with their hands. That is why in the knowledge economy it's important. When you are preparing, you must choose where you want to be. You cannot be a painter. You learn how to paint. And I then make you a CEO of a digital company. It cannot happen. Does it amount... Doesn't matter what period, it doesn't matter what is it. There is preparation required to be a CEO of a digital company. Even a paint company, there's what is required for it to be CEO. It's not just being a painter. You need skills beyond being a painter. So that is why in your first 25 years, you will truly, truly grow yourself. You know, I am sitting at the studio today to be able to talk to you about these things because I studied. I studied. I read first economics. Of course, I then went into a master's degree to do development economics and focus more on development economics. I also went to remarketing because I found myself working in a marketing environment, working for Unilever, senior brand manager. I needed to know marketing. 
I have to go and study marketing. So I can perform there. So the preparation is important. So many people don't prepare and they just expect that they jump into any position. It doesn't work that way. In managing yourself, your first 25 years is years of preparation. Prepare yourself in your mind. Prepare yourself in your spirit mind. Prepare yourself in terms of physical strength and all that. Because the journey after 25 can be tough if you do not, didn't prepare yourself. So those are years of preparation. You want to be an engineer. You want to be a medical doctor. You want to be whatever God wants you to be. You need to prepare. Now, having prepared yourself, what happened after that age? After that age, you work. The learned, the man who has knowledge, of course, is always over the man who has his hands. So, those with knowledge, with brain power, usually will always lead people who work with their hands. That is the way it's been constructed. And that was why when you go on to Ecclesiastes, you see a poor wise man whose wisdom by which a city was conquered, but it was not remembered. It was not remembered. Because the rich rules over the poor. And that is why we must consciously choose in managing our lives. Right from when you just start and begin as a young person, you say, I'm not going to be a poor person. And for me not to be a poor person, what do I need to do, God? Tell me what to do. He will teach you that you need to develop the capacity of your brain. It's not. You can, yes, you can do some technical things with your hands. That's what's going to give you, put you in the realm of the earthly dimension of wealth. Not the eternal dimension that requires spiritual partners. That's entire entire board game. But you can actually be whole building these two together simultaneously. Now, there's one requirement requirement prerequisite for managing the second half of your life. When you then talk about second half of your life here, you know, in life expectancy in Nigeria, if you take 50, someone like from the age of 25. But let's forget about life expectancy. But let's just look now. Let's just assume, you know, take it uh, to 50 is the first part of your life. Let's add both when, okay, when you are in school and when you are working. Let's pull the two together and call that, um, you know, the first part, Levi. And the second part is when now you have uh, uh, you have passed the age of work. Now see what happened. Let me just give you some example. And some of you will have remembered Adoki Amasemeka who was playing ball in Nigeria. When he finished ball, what did he do? When a lot of his friends were broke and were dying, he went into law practice. He became a commissioner in River State. Okay? We look at other people. We look at other people, for instance. Our old president, Jalo Basia, President Aboyeji, an economist, he then worked in a multinational. And then the second half is focusing exclusively on ministry. That's also the same way that uh, Reverend Medoye, as an accountant, uh, was so committed to his accounting profession. And the second half were very productive, focusing on ministry. So when you look at Beckham, for instance, he's playing this, and after playing this. So 
if you do not prepare for this what I call the second half, after you studied and you are retired, if you do not prepare, more food than not, people end up in frustration. Now, in frustration and they die in bitterness. Now, the issue of actually being able to prepare for that second half requires what I call financial independence, which I've already taught in the earlier series, in the earlier episodes. Preparing for the second half of one's life requires financial independence. If we do not achieve financial independence, the second half of our lives, people, people live in struggles despite having worked so hard, you know, and retire. Even the benefits they get. So, the consequences of really not preparing for the second half. Boring life, dwindling, uh, we to leave, precipitating premature death. But do you see the advantages of preparation? Of preparation, good health. By the grace of God, I prepared myself. So I'm in my 60s now. And by the grace of God, the Lord has blessed me with a good measure of good health. Because you prepared yourself. Became financially independent. You know? So, in your last days, you will have joy. You are so excited. You know, when you see your grandchildren. You have peace in your heart. You have a sense of fulfilled purpose on earth. A sense of fulfilled purpose on earth. You didn't know who you have impacted your generation. And that impact is not going to go to that generation. It's going to go to the third and to the fourth generation. Because you've taught those who will teach others, others who will teach others. You would have laid that foundation in terms of, you know, your preparation in the physical space and the spiritual space. You have prepared yourself. So the very day your eyes close, not to open again. And this side of eternity you finished your reason here. That very day, as your eyes will close, there will be smile. Because that smile will express fulfillment of purpose and joy at the end of my earthly journey. I then begin to move into the mansion of heaven and the crowns that are wait for you. In eternity. That is where I end today's message. I may the Lord bless you until I come your way again. May the goodness of God produce abundance for you. You become a candidate for the worthy place. God bless you and bye bye.